This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Saturday Morning Mysteries, where we are your hosts. I'm Grace. And I'm Alexis. And we are currently covering an arc of the wild thornberries. Mm-hmm. It's a mixture so far of survival stories, international crime, life lessons. Mm-hmm. It's got it all. Um, and uh, this week, Alexis will be recapping um, another episode of this uh, wonderful and adventurous family. So mm-hmm. uh, let's get right into it. We'll get right into it. More crime, more wild stories, courtesy of the wild thornberries. Mm -hmm. And so this week, we join the thornberries again, at least per my episodes. They're back in South America. But this time, they're in Peru, more specifically, in the Andes Mountain region, just outside of the city of Cusco. And so, first tangent of this episode, <laughs> Cusco, going to start him early. Cusco may sound familiar to many of the millennials listening, particularly <laughs> as the name of the unfortunate emperor turned llama in the animated Disney movie, The Emperor's New Groove, which took place in the ancient Inca Empire. But in reality... This is the Go second ahead. time in this arc that we've talked about Emperor's New Crew. Yes, it is. We're bringing it I'm back to a lot of references in this show. Amazing. And it's Please now our second going. time talking about like uh, ancient Mesopotamian mm. uh, empires when we talked about the Aztecs back during Scooby-Doo. Yes, amazing. So, I can't avoid them. Uh, but in reality, so not Cusco is not only the name of that character who was portrayed as an Incan imp- emperor, but it is also actually the, sit- the name of a city in southeastern Peru near the Urubamba Valley of the Andes mountain range, not too far actually from Machu Picchu, which was a city state, I think, in um, or like a citadel in the Inca Empire. Anyway. Cusco, it's the capital of the Cusco region and the Cusco province in Peru. And it is the seventh most populous city in Peru Mm. with a population of like just shy of 500,000 people. In 2017, it was 428,000. So probably a little bit more by now with an elevation also of about 11,200 feet. So it is very, very high up. Um, again, being in the Andes mountain range, literally like in a valley towards the top of these mountains or like (laughs) within these mountains. Uh So why is it so important? Not only, uh, in terms of the emperor's new groove, but in terms of like the Inca empire, turns out that it was the capital city of the empire from Mm. the 13th century until the 16th century Spanish conquests in the 1530s. Uh, we've talked about those in the past as well. Go back to that <laughs> Scooby-Doo <laughs> episode where we talked about them. To anyway, whatever. Yep. Uh, so, in 1983, Cusco was declared a World Heritage Site by UNESCO, so the United Ooh. Nations, and the Constitution of Peru actually designates it as the historical capital of Peru. Ooh. So, it has a lot of history and culture since it was the Incan capital. 
And it has, because of that, become a major tourist destination where they have nearly 2 million visitors come a year. Um, I think actually that number was maybe pre-COVID, so maybe mm. things have changed since then, but it is like the tourist hub and the cultural hub of Peru. So anyway, I thought that stuff was interesting. I've never been to Peru before or South America <laughs> for that for that matter. So I'm like, yeah, anything I can um, do to learn about it and to force that education, that knowledge onto you all. <laughs> I um, this, whole, this whole time, all I've been singing in my head is, um, in the Enter Emperor's New Groove, when you first meet Cusco, there's like a chorus line. Cusco, yeah. <laughs> it's like a little Elvis impersonator and like a chorus line of girls, mm-hmm. and he's walking in like that. And um, and then the little old man ruins his groove right there. That uh, but it is the Cusco. national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a Disney, Disney creation. That's yeah, national anthem. Yeah, actually, Disney was just uh, reinterpreting the song. It was a cover <laughs> that they did for the, for the movie. Wow, they did a great job. Usually covers, good not job, as David good. Spade. This one, though? Yeah, this one Pretty is good. a banger. They figured <laughs> it out. Well, God, I'm going to so, watch the, that movie this weekend. I may or may not have like put it on in the background <laughs> one day this week after I finished this episode. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Let me, I need to get in the mindset. It's what would, what would the early 2000s animators at Disney feel <laughs> talking about moment. Peru in this moment? The Incan Amazing. Empire. Yes. So anywho, the Thornberries, the family, they plan to go into Cusco or kind of, you know, more into the actual mountain range area to obtain some grade A vampire bat footage deep in the mountains of Cusco. And they're going to do this by enlisting in the help of Marianne's old professor and the world's foremost expert on vampire bats, at least in the wild Thornberry universe, a man by the name of Professor or Dr. Renfield Spinoza. And I'm going to tangent again here. We'll get all the tangents out in the beginning of this episode. Is it about vampire bats? It is, and vampires in general. And more specifically, the small nod that the writers made that I only saw as like in a triple take. But the fact that Spinoza, Dr. Spinoza's first name is Renfield, is beautiful because, okay. And they don't actually ever say his full name in this. You only notice it because at one point, Eliza is reading a book on vampire bats that is written by this man, Renfield Uh Spinoza. So you see his name on the front of the book. And the name Renfield is so perfect because Renfield is a supporting character in the 1897 Gothic horror novel, Dracula Wait, by really? Bram Stoker and in almost all iterations like film re-adaptions Whoa. or whatever of that book yeah God so damn. he in almost all iterations and including the original Renfield is Count Dracula's servant and familiar who happens to be very erratic and unstable I'll say in the kindest of terms I guess <laughs> <laughs> without sounding ableist and he's often um eating bugs and insects and like birds and stuff in like the Uh, actual um, books and in the books and in like some of the movies yes um because well 
I don't know how much people are into the Dracula lore. I guess it's not really spoiling it because again, yeah, no, tell me. I didn't know any of 1897. <laughs> so essentially he, he was a very troubled man, but Dracula uses him as his agent. I think he had like PTSD or something from a war in oh. the original novel, maybe something like that. And Dracula uses him um, to just as a familiar to help carry out a lot of his like evil doings and to, uh-huh. I guess, seduce certain women like the main character, the, the female in the first one is like Mina Harker. And mm-hmm. so he turns Renfield essentially into a vampire, I believe. Uh, uh-huh. So Renfield himself, who is like this agent of Dracula, is also thirsty for blood in a lot of ways and um if you're interested in clinical psychology or i'm sure that it's come up in some like criminal cases yes if you've ever heard of the term renfield syndrome aka clinical vampirism it's when people are obsessed with eating blood or drinking blood. that is now you know where the name came from yes so in some cases, I think they depict him as like a real estate agent. Originally, I don't think, I don't know if he was a real estate agent in the original book, but future like ad- 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 adaptations, whatever of yeah. the book and of other older movies have depicted him as a real estate agent for Dracula, who's helping him find a new home in London, oh, moving funny. from Wismar to Anyway, it's a whole Whole thing. thing. So I just love that they named Dr. Spinoza Renfield in this. And I never noticed it until I was like rewatching this. Yeah, like they never call him that. And even like the fandom page and stuff didn't pick up that little Uh fun fact. But I was like, I I have to give a nod to the writers. Also, it's funny because a movie Renfield just came out a couple weeks ago, I think, where Nicolas Cage plays Dracula. What? So very topical as well. <laughs> wow. Um, that's awesome. That's and so good work. Good sleuthing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I was, yeah, I had to like pause and like zoom in, like put my glasses on. Like, is his name Renfield? How beautiful of a fun fact is that? Yeah. At first I was like, what a weird but, fucking name. But now, yeah, but now cool name. the writers knew what they were doing or the yep. animators perhaps, because again, it wasn't written into the script. They just decided ah. to draw his name as that on the front of the <laughs> book that Eliza happens to be reading. Either way, props. About vampire bats. And so let us talk about the vampire bats, which hilariously also, I think I've done a spiel on bats in the past, like fruit bats, I think in an episode of Darkwing Duck. We did talk about fruit bats before. Oh, yeah, that yeah. offensive episode that I think maybe was briefly canceled. So go back and learn about that one time. <laughs> Which that, one? There were multiple there episodes were multiple. of Darkwing You've done a cancel one. I've done a canceled one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go back and listen to our DW, our Darkwing Duck uh, arc. It's, it's funny. Anyway, so... Like that discussion of fruit bats, though, I will kick this one off by also saying that vampire bats is also a kind of broad term that defines, I think, like three different species of bats Mm -hmm. that have evolved to, of course, as we all know, unfortunately, feed exclusively on blood. And so the three types are you've got your common vampire bat, you know, mm-hmm. just the normal everyday vampire bat. Just the normal bloodsucker. <laughs> you've got your hairy legged vampire bat. So Ugh. they've got legs that are hairier <laughs> than the average, I suppose. <laughs> These are scientific terms here, okay? And then you've got your white winged vampire bat. Wow, they are uh, real literal. Yeah, very literal. I don't <laughs> that I don't have any jokes for them. So uh <laughs> Anyway, all these bats, they primarily feed on the blood of mammals, 
occasionally including humans. And I should have looked it up, like how many people are bitten each year, but I guess it's like kind of that that would be hard to track. I did see that there were like 55 cases of rabies or something like that in South America between like 2005 and 2020 or something like that. Or, I don't know, or maybe it was um, just in the year 2005. That wouldn't seem like a lot. But um, rabies from I, being bit by bats, yes. <laughs> it's very funny that you're doing this episode right now oh, because okay. weirdly, I recently learned a bunch about vampire bats. Nice. Oh, because please. Because of be my <laughs> that fave podcast, Tooth and Claw. Yeah. Um, they have a whole episode about vampire bats, mainly because, yeah, if they give people rabies, like their cases of technically like vampire bats have killed people, aka transfer of rabies but basically that's to say if you want to know more detail go listen to the vampire bat episode of tooth and claw after you get the brief information from our episode right here so that's why i was so excited we said vampire bat i was like (gasps) i know about them tell me more scared yes no and maybe you knowledge is power bird and i have knowledge now I have power. (laughs) I have power. (laughs) I have power. Well, so yes, go to Tooth and Nail after this. Uh, But I will add just a few more fun facts that I read and thought would be eh, kind of interesting. Not really relevant to this episode, but like, and I don't care. Give it to me. Knowledge is power. Exactly. Yeah. Inject I'm, animal I'm facts into my you. veins right now. So, <laughs> so, just like the blood that they that these vampire bats take out of your veins, I will inject <laughs> knowledge right back, back in. in. Yes. <laughs> so, and on that note, I will say the typical female vampire bat weighs about forty grams, which I did the conversion point oh eight eight pounds. So okay, very great. small. Um, but yeah, weighs about 40 grams and can consume over 20 grams though of blood in 20 minutes. So half of its weight, which again, it's small. I think a lot of videos define them as like thumb sized animals that I watched like a Nat Geo. Yeah. So very small. Yeah, they are. Um, but still half of its weight. So I guess if vampire humans or whatever were such a thing, would we assume that a vampire like Dracula could consume half of his weight in like 20 Ooh. to 30 minutes proportionally? I don't know. That would be kind of terrifying though. If someone could real quick, like in 20 minutes drink, I don't know, a hundred pounds of straw. <laughs> yeah. Just constantly slurping it through, which <laughs> is, yeah. So I learned a lot about vampires too for this, but yes. which is how they actually drink it. Like they don't, they don't like well i should say this they their teeth are so small and sharp and because the bats themselves are so small Mm -hmm. they can bite into like a cow for example or like pigs whatever goats and they Mm -hmm. won't even the animal the mammal won't even feel it because the teeth are so like small and sharp and so they really just actually make that point of incision and they don't like slurp the blood out they just like lick the blood out as it's flowing out of the animal which like i was watching this video from (laughs) nat geo where they zoomed in on it and i was like why why would you watch that? Why? Because I had to learn about them for you. Right? Um, do you want, I like don't want to steal your vampire bat thunder at all, but do you want to also it. hear a fun fact about how they drink yes. the blood? Is that maybe. the reason that they like lick it up is that they have some type of like chemical or substance that they like secrete or on their tongue. Are you about to say this fact? I'm not, but I think I maybe know it from my research, but go ahead. That it <laughs> yeah. causes, um, basically, the like reason why they also like lick that open wound 
is that like material on their tongue causes it to not I can never say this word correctly. Coagulate. Coagulate. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I just looked at you. I was like, say it for me, please. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. It, so that they can keep getting their fix without it getting all hard. And yeah. exactly, which is fucking wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that human scientists. Fascinatingly. Yeah. And that like scientists have not been able to ever replicate it. Like they want to for like medical reasons, but they've never yeah. been able to replicate this like little substance that the little bats are just like, yeah, just like that. Just, just like, like that. that invitation. <laughs> do, we'll, we'll do that again. <laughs> <laughs> if only the bats were that cute. They actually are kind of, they actually are kind of cute and adorable I'm, though. They're just, I'm not going to watch like, that video. You yeah, don't because their no. tongue is like very long proportional to ah. their body. So it, yeah. it was gross. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was grossed out by the tongue, not by like the blood or like anything yeah. like that. Literally just the tongue. Like, Ew. yeah, that's the only part of my so long. Too. Yeah, ew, put it yeah. back in there. Ugh. But so, yes, the amount of blood that the vampire bat consumes and like any one feeding is not going to be enough to kill an animal because, again, the bats are so small. Mm. Only the subsequent rabies diagnosis will do that, which also interestingly and terrifyingly, other bats like fruit bats and stuff, they are pretty much unable to like maneuver on land. Like they're only good at flying and even that they're not mm. that good at because they're kind of like blind, but vampire bats can walk. They can no. like jump or like no, hop like you. frogs and they can even run which is how they often start no, their attacks thanks. on prey, like cows. Like they'll like kind of creep around the corners. And God, this was in the video. Did you watch too. the video of it too? I did. It was in the same Nat Geo, man. It was like a three minute video and they showed all the most terrifying things that vampires can do. This <laughs> thing hopped. It like hopped towards the camera and I shit you not. I like jumped. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's going to kill me. <laughs> no, thank you. It literally no. hops like a frog. Like it leaped, but it's a furry little bat and it like walks on its knuckles or whatever and like can run around and it's it will not it's be creepy this content um yes i mean it's again only three minutes but yeah kind of i'm i'm scarred from watching it what so. if what if um from stoker was like i should make this really realistic and had dracula walk around on all those <laughs> <laughs> victim leaps yeah. <laughs> honestly would be even scarier <laughs> yeah that is true and yeah horror movies are like people yes. crawling yeah you're right i take but it back glad they did in, yeah, glad they did not do that and then yeah something crawling to then suck your blood would be terrifying mm -hmm. but, uh, in much less scary terms i'll end my vampire bat spiel by saying that they do indeed tend to live in colonies which, okay, maybe this is a little scary, but it can be anywhere from like a single digit to like hundreds of bats large. So like, I don't know, could be nine, could be 300. Could be 900. Could be 900. Could be up to 999, I'm... according to Wikipedia. <laughs> I am uninterested in finding out personally. Well, let's go find a cave. Um, Eliza and her family are about to find out. Yes. Oh, no. And speaking of Cusco, bringing it full circle now, uh, in terms of like where bats come from, they do, vampire bats in particular, they do range from Central to South America. Okay. So we're safe, so maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Who did I switch? I was like, so not, so not here. In like the Pacific Northwest or the East Coast. Like we're good. Northeast. I think we're safe. 
other bats, probs. Vampire bats, probs not. And uh, yes, they have a natural lifespan of about nine years. So, oh, okay. All we have to do is live for ten years, and we're. <laughs> I'll outlive them all. I'll outlive them. Oh shit! No, another one was just born. <laughs> right, constantly. Oh no, they'll outlive me. <laughs> so, all right. What does this all have to do with the Thornberries and their weekend getaway slash work trip in Peru? Well, it is a cloudy evening. A storm is brewing, coming in, and they're driving up, driving the Convi up this like winding road in the Andes Mountains, passing by a bunch of llamas, uh, which, by the way, this proves in this episode here that Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers oh, no. indeed did record for each episode because <laughs> as they're driving through these mountains, Donnie looks out the window and says, Llama! Well, he <laughs> like, still, says a word? Yeah, it's still like in his kind of, like he says like Yama, which I guess is actually maybe closer More to More accurate? The, I was going to say, does Donnie know Spanish secretly? Yeah. Probably. He, he's a wild child, man. He never he knows know. at all. But yes, so... He did at least had to read had to read like that specific line Flea did in the studio. I still I I think he came back for every episode. (laughs) Probably he did. He he took a lot of care into you know getting in the moment for Donnie exactly. Uh, But anyway, so yes, they're driving up. There's like thunder and lightning kind of like striking overhead, or you can hear it in the background as clouds are kind of moving in and the wind is picking up as they're driving up these Andes Mountains in Cusco. Mm. Or I guess maybe just outside of Cusco. Because inside of the Convi, you've got like Debbie and Eliza reading this book about vampire bats, which I noted earlier was written by Dr. Spinoza. Mm -hmm. And you have Marianne driving and Nigel like pontificating about how they have a duty to capture authentic footage of the vampire bat and, (laughs) you know, change the negative stigma that's often applied to these docile creatures. That Nat Geo footage you watched was from Nigel. Prove otherwise. <laughs> no, it was not. Nigel's trying to cover that up. Man, it made <laughs> these things look like menaces. They're like hopping around, leaping on. It actually showed it jump on a cow and suck its blood. Grace, I was like watching this footage. Like, wait, did they just like? They're just letting these cows be. Be consumed yeah, because when by they film bats, nature like, footage, they're like ethically like not very supposed natural. to interfere. Yeah, exactly. And I guess they just had the blessing of whoever owned this farm. Like, yeah, sure, you can set up your set your camera up right there. <laughs> it's like the camera is set up right by this like fence right outside of a cattle farm, like zoomed in, just looking. Oh my god. Like zooms in as a bat hops right on one of the cows' backs. And it's like, oh, get get in closer. Yeah, zoom in, zoom in. Capture, zoom in and get it. Yeah. So uh okay. Nigel's like, okay. no. That's just propaganda. That's Shut propaganda. Then <laughs> it's the anti-bat propaganda. Shut yeah. it down. So anyway, um, yeah, you've got like Debbie is creeped out as her dad's talking about bats, saying that they're just like rodents that fly essentially, and they bite you and are gross. And she wishes that her family had just left her at their hotel in Cusco because at least mm-hmm. they had like satellite TV and she could just be chilling in the hotel room watching TV not having to deal with these bats and the impending storm that's coming in overhead. Of course there is. Of As per usual, right? It's like they Always. schedule their excursions for storm season, <laughs> literally all the time. <laughs> so, 
Nigel, though, he's assuring her that as soon as they like talk to Dr. Spinoza and learn more about the bats, that she'll start to warm up, that Debbie will start to warm up about them. And so Marianne, meanwhile, because I mentioned earlier that Dr. Spinoza was her college professor. Mm. So she's like reminiscing about the old days, freshman mm. year at UC Berkeley, she mentions. So okay, that's where Marianne went to school, by the way. Smart woman. Nice. Uh, and she's like reminiscing about taking Dr. Spinoza's biology class in college, saying that she almost dropped out of school so that she could join him on an expedition to study fruit bats. And Nigel looks at her like, oh, Marianne, you know, I had no idea that you had such a passion for bats. And hilariously, Marianne's like, I didn't. <laughs> Child me would have never understood dumb. that. But adult me instantly was like, oh, shit, Marianne, does that mean what I think it does? And it does. In fact, there's an entire B plot in this episode. I'm just going to say it from the front now so I don't have to like reference it every time because she keeps making jokes throughout the entire episode about how she had a huge crush on Professor Dr. Whatever Spinoza. Oh, my God. And like the entire car ride up this mountain, she's like hyping him up, saying he's so intelligent and so handsome and such a scholarly man. And she keeps just like dozing off, like daydreaming about it. While also like, Marianne, you're driving. This is a very windy road. Yes, there's (laughs) a storm coming in. Please pay attention. She keeps like falling silent, like eyes all like, glazing over just remembering (laughs) yeah remembering her days in Dr. Spinoza's class wow girl but she's also like don't worry Nigel it was like 20 years ago it was just you know it was so long ago I barely even remember what Dr. Spinoza looks like now sure girl so keep in mind that's going on in the background here hilariously (laughs) the perfect backdrop beautifully yes beautifully written and so after this long climb up the mountains the Thornberries, they finally arrive at Dr. Spinoza's legit like castle on top of a mountain. Not sure what kind of strings he had to pull with UNESCO to get title to this place. <laughs> I feel like it should be in like historical, like cultural preservation and oh my not God. just be this man's house, but he lives here. <laughs> And the castle just screams Dracula, right? Not yeah, I was only, say, it's like a yes. European castle. It actually kind of looks like a South American castle. Like it's got like terracotta roofing. It's made of stone. Okay. It honestly looks like it's built on top of ruins, like this like plateau of stones that then like has this long stone (laughs) staircase leading up to it. Yes. Good. (laughs) Questionable. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Questionable. Dr. Spinoza who is allowing you to live here. Maybe, honestly, maybe he's doing some side work for the UN and they're like, okay, fine. Like, yeah, you can stay here. That's like a research facility. Like he's put up giant portraits of himself on the inside. He does also have kind of like a Spanish accent though, too, when we hear him talking later. So whatever. Spanish name of all time. Kind of. Yes. I'm like, yeah, Renfield Spinoza. I don't know. But anyway, he's an enigma. Yes. So we'll we'll talk about that later. But anyway, so yeah, this castle just screams Dracula, Mm. old, massive, made of stone. And of course, though, when the thornberries arrive, there's like lightning that's consistently just flashing behind it. 
course. And so after reading about vampire bats and everything, you know, the, the girls, Debbie and Eliza are a little on edge because they don't want to see any bats inside of this castle. And once they get out of the convy and like get a good look at it, Eliza is even more apprehensive. And she like whispers over to Darwin that it reminds her of a castle that she saw in a vampire movie not long Uh-oh. ago, a.k.a. probably Dracula or like Nosferatu or something. <laughs> Nickelodeon just didn't want to name drop and get in any sort of copyright issues. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. So her fears start to grow when she overhears some nearby animals gossiping about the homeowner. saying that aka Spinoza saying Uh that all he does is roam around the caves late at night making a bunch of noise when he should be sleeping and so Eliza's like um excuse me that sounds like vampire activity (laughs) no (laughs) thank you yes so (laughs) Debbie at this point right as Eliza's like eavesdropping on these animals Debbie sneaks up on her and scares her nice and yeah so they have this whole thing going back and forth where they're trying to like one-up each other and out prank each other and kind of scare each Mm. other since I should have added this was a Halloween episode which oops I didn't realize until after I wrote it could have saved it for our Halloween (laughs) arcs that we do in October too bad but yeah, so this whole episode's about like, oh, who can scare who the most and whatever, vampires, Halloween, blah, 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 whatever. Uh-huh. And so Debbie essentially bullies Eliza into going into the castle like, oh, what are you just so scared, too scared to go in there? And Eliza's like, are you kidding me? No, I, I'm brave. I can do this. And so the family makes their way up to these like massive wooden doors Um, out front of the castle where they have like this door knocker that is literally bigger than like Nigel's head it's just massive just to kind of get a sense of how the biggest head yes it's because he's the one who is like knocking on the door and I was like that's literally bigger than his face (laughs) it's huge this castle is massive and so the doorway quickly opens and we see a short bald man with very thin but long mustache almost like the french ones but very oh yeah just little wisps that curl over a very long pointy nose not like nigel's like wide deep nose Uh but just like a almost like a pinocchio type nose just comes straight out long pointed nose she had a crush on him (laughs) it only gets better oh no and he only has like a few teeth and they're spread out throughout his mouth maybe like 10 teeth total, five on top, five on the bottom. Are you good? And he's got like these crazy eyes. Like one is mostly closed and the other is like very large. Oh my God, terrifying. Like doesn't blink. (laughs) And he's got on this soup, the soup. Oh my God, the suit and a long black cape that has like a red interior. So very like Dracula-esque. And when the man opens the door, Marianne's like, uh... Who are you? Oh. <laughs> and he responds, Well, I'm Dr. Spinoza. And then he like starts to evilly and like maniacally laugh as like thunder and lightning is like flashing oh, no. behind him. And Nigel gets very smug and just looks at Miriam like, Really? This bitch? this is the guy. This <laughs> is the guy. And Marianne, her jaw is just dropped like. You're Dr. Spinoza. Spinoza, he's like, so what brings you here to my home? 
And they tell him that they were hoping to interview him and get some vampire bat footage for their show since he's, you know, the world expert, the leading expert on bats. And Spinoza's like, yes, it's time that the world knew the truth about the vampire bat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And he's just very erratic and... Kind of seems unhinged, so to speak. Like Renfield? Exactly, is what I was going to say, is why it's so beautiful that they gave him Renfield as his first name. Wow. So he then makes his way over to introduce himself to Debbie and Eliza, saying, oh, and who are these children who would make just a wonderful snack, which gross for a few different reasons. But then he quickly Uh, stops himself and corrects course and says, I mean... Perhaps they would like a snack. Sorry, you've and already like, said it. Yeah. We can't come we back. Cannot, we can't unhear it. So he then like turns around and tells the family like, okay, come on in, follow me. And he, he's like playing with this cape as he says it. Just like, <laughs> look at my, look at my cape. It's beautiful. If you have a cape, you must play with it. You, you, you have to. Exactly. It's the law. And so <laughs> at this point, after he's like got his back turned to them and he's walking back into this castle, literally all of the Thornberries, Donnie and Darwin included, at the same time, just look at Mary. <laughs> like, they all pause and just, like, turn and look at her. Like, what the fuck? Who is this dude? What is wrong with you? And Marianne's like, I guess 20 years is, a like, a long time. Like, my memory is a bit clouded. Like, age, you know, does age does wonders to us all and spinoza turns around like 20 years is nothing when you live forever oh my god (laughs) just like still being very very weird yes um yes so the family they all follow him into the castle and he's showing them around the area and pretty much they split up, right? So Eliza, Debbie, Darwin, and Donnie, they kind of go off on their own way while Nigel and Mary, they're like, you guys stay very far stay away. away. From <laughs> you guys go Smart. play in the castle. Uh, Nigel and Marianne, they're like, we'll go with Dr. Spinoza to talk more about bats and maybe he can lead Keep us to get some footage. Yes. So Dr. Spinoza, Marianne, and Nigel, they like go to the dining hall. And Spinoza offers them uh, mate, so almost like yerba mate, mm-hmm. which is a South American beverage. It's it's like an herbal beverage that's stronger than coffee, which um, Nigel accurately says, actually. He's like, nice. yes, it's a traditional Peruvian beverage that's much stronger than coffee, <laughs> which I didn't go too deep in it. But like, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, although it's maybe more common in other areas of South America than Peru, but whatever, it's down there still. So again, <laughs> so good job to the writers. It, it yes. still counts. And so Marianne, though, uh, she asks Dr. Spinoza if he's going to enjoy some of this mate with them, but then he just like dramatically stands in front of the fire, like the fireplace has got this <laughs> roaring fire in it. He just stands there and looks at it like, you just see this, this shadow almost behind the fire. And he's like, I do not drink mate. <laughs> and then just like starts evilly laughing again. And Marianne and Nigel are just quiet and like look at each other like, okay. <laughs> That's when you chuck the mate over your shoulder. 
It's just like, definitely I'm not poison. <laughs> yeah, no. Marianne, let me know how it tastes. <laughs> you take the first sip, okay, honey? Cool, cool, cool. And I'll just sit here and watch for like 30 minutes or so. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, at this point, uh Spinoza, sorry. <laughs> anyway, he's asking Nigel and Marianne, like, do you find my behavior horrifying at all? And Nigel shrugs it off, like, well, not horrifying. <laughs> Mary, yeah, exactly. Like maybe well, a little unhinged, but you know, <laughs> horrifying, no. And so Marianne just like cuts him off and jumps to the point, like, all right, look, can we like get some footage of vampire bats? Like, maybe you don't have to be in it realizing like maybe he's not screen ready (laughs) he might get a little camera shy (laughs) Um, but anyway can we just like get some footage so that we can tell the world the truth about vampire bats but then Spinoza like leans into Marianne like grabs a hold of her chair and erratically just starts yelling like so you mean I can finally get the chance to tell the world that the vampire bat turns its victims into tormented souls of the undead. Oh, God. And Marianne just, like, gets out of her chair (laughs) and stands by Nigel. And Nigel's like, this guy? (laughs) And Marianne's like, "Uh, no, when I said the truth about vampire bats, I meant, like, you know, the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And Nigel just leans in and whispers to her, like, Marianne, maybe we should just like play along with whatever nonsense Spinoza's <laughs> yeah, for your safety. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, just let's just play along and we can like keep things moving. And so Nigel's like, tell you what, Dr. Spinoza, if you show us some of your bat caves, you can then just in, in return, you can turn me into whatever mindless zombie you want. Okay. Oh, God. And so Spinoza's like, hmm, you wish to meet my children? And then just. <laughs> And then just starts evilly cackling and laughing at them. And Nigel, again, just leaning into it, playing along. He's like, well, yeah, you met ours. So, like, isn't it only fair? <laughs> and Spinoza's oh, like, you know what? Yeah, actually, you make a good point. He nods. He's like, all right, follow me. As he's, like, slowly limping out of the room and, like, stops to just, like, stare behind them and look at the thornberries. And the thornberries are just standing there, like, staring at each other. And again, Nigel, like, grins at Marianne, like, "Hmm." This guy? This guy? This guy? This is the guy I was worried about, really? (laughs) They're, like, clearly so off-put by this man, though. It's just, it's very funny. Every time he does something, like, he's consistently doing this stuff. I can't, I can't describe every crazy, like, weird, unhinged thing he does, because it's just every single thing he says. I'm not even going to (laughs) try to imitate his accent as he's doing it. But, like, every time he does something, Marianne and Nigel just, like, stare at each other, like, (laughs) and then just, like, stare at him in silence, like, are you done, sir? (laughs) yikes so weird but he does live up to the promise and he leads them to a bat cave on the property but just like the whole hike up there he's just acting so strange like pretending that he doesn't have a reflection and pretending that he like will melt in the light and (laughs) obviously insinuating that he himself is a vampire Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and marianne is like how could he have changed so much in 20 years like what the hell happened to this guy Mm -hmm. 
and Nigel just tells her like oh you were just likely blinded by his intellect and she's like oh shut up pushes <laughs> <laughs> him away like get the fuck out of my face Nigel. now Marianne's like this yeah. guy <laughs> this guy really but yes like I said he lives up to the promise Dr. Spinoza and he actually finds them a great spot to shoot for the show and when they get there though he's like attempting to summon his children like be free <laughs> <laughs> I'm free out of this cave and like nothing happens and then Forgets. he's like running around and stuff as the thornberries are just setting up the camera like okay whatever <laughs> he's just let him do his thing and so yeah it's whatever he's just doing his thing <laughs> so i'll just leave it at that i was gonna add on to it but yes just know this guy they're questioning his sanity let Correct. me let me just put it that way so meanwhile though i mentioned that the kids kind of broke off and were just like running around this amazing but also very creepy legit kind mm-hmm. of terrifying looking castle and they're really just like kind of playing tag or like hide and go seek trying to one-up each other on scaring mm-hmm. one another and even like donnie and darwin are getting in on it too and trying to also mm-hmm. scare them so in their competition of scaring one another they somehow the whole gang finds themselves in the basement or really what truly looks like the dungeon um of this old castle like straight out of dracula you've got like candles lining the hall all of these corridors that just are dark beneath yeah like going beyond them like you don't know what the hell is down there don't don't go down there hey they're trying to scare each other and prove that one of them is braver so ah Um, a good setup yeah so anyway eliza though she opens a door in one of these hallways and all that she sees is a long open room with nothing in it but the classic wooden coffin sitting on the other end and just like candles lining the hall or the the room i would be fucking terrified i'd be in the coffee i would run the fuck out of there you would never see me in that castle ever again but it gets scarier because the door to this room closes behind eliza and she starts to hear like moaning and all of these noise these loud noises coming from within the dungeon and slowly the coffin starts to open and she's just screaming yes terrified out of her mind but it's okay because it's just Debbie who's run up there and pops it. out. It's funny though. She's like done her hair to like, look like the bride of Frankenstein almost <laughs> like sticking straight up. And yeah, she has like good. her collar is popped on her flannel and she found this cape <laughs> or whatever. So I mean, she, that's she's a good dressed one. the part, but yes, thankfully it's just her and like Darwin and Donnie also like pop up from behind the shadows. They were in on it with Debbie, Damn. which is sad. Like they all teamed up to scare eliza like i mean you gotta form alliances sorry eliza debbie darwin and (laughs) and donnie sure so you can't sit with us you got you can't sit with us sorry you're gonna get scared you can't sit with us in our coffin (laughs) uh did gretchen say that too not obviously the coffin part but yeah you can't sit with us (laughs) that's where the line was born (laughs) and she improved it in the in mean girls she's like oh i remember when i had to read that wild thornberries <laughs> um, that's the scariest episode i've ever done i hate to be katie I mean, in this moment it kind of <laughs> does seem like the scariest episode yeah it's hey halloween uh so anyway eliza though she's totally not amused by this cruel prank that her entire family pulled against her and so she shrugs it off like fine whatever you got me ha 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 
But then she asks Debbie how she was able to pull off that like creepy moaning sound that she heard outside oh, no. of the room. And Debbie's like, what the fuck? I thought that was you. I didn't do that. And right as she says that, they hear this creepy moaning sound again. And so her and Eliza are like all huddled together. Like, what the fuck is that noise? And they're in their huddling. They like back up into a corner in this room that they're in. And they, of course, classic 90s animation. They trigger a trap yes. door. Yes. Because they like bump into something in this corner. But only Debbie and Eliza fall down the trap door. So Donnie and Darwin are still like in this dungeon. Just keep mm. that in mind. Okay. And so Debbie and Eliza, they're like, they're falling down this trap door. It's obvious. It's like a spiral slide type of situation that they're sent down. Cool. Um, but would also be cool. Yes, cool. Maybe a little fun, but also very terrifying because it's like dark. They were already in a basement where... How deep are you? And like, they well, just keep falling. It's like a very long fall. But thank God it wasn't just like an open trap door. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said cool because I started picturing um, a getting into Yzma's layer in a personal yes. group to make myself feel better. Honestly, it probably was the same one. I told you, this looks like some sort of historic site. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was just How channeling that movie. Place. Nice, nice. That's secret. That's the more secret. positive way to do it. I needed, I needed it in the moment. So yes, boom. And so once, uh, once they finally land at the bottom of this trap door, they look up and they see that they are even deeper in a cave. And very terrifyingly, that the ceiling is covered with sleeping bats. Absolutely oh. covered. So this is one of those like higher end of the spectrum. <laughs> exactly. The 999 <laughs> sort of like colonies of bats. Mm -hmm. And Debbie immediately panics, like takes to the feeble position. <laughs> like, oh my God, my hair, they're going to fly in my hair. But Eliza is trying to calm her down. Just like, it's okay. Let me just stay here. Let me go find an exit. And so Eliza, poor Eliza. Oh, girl. Oh, no. oh girl. She's so naive. She's like, maybe I'll just ask one of these bats very I'll kindly. wake them up. Exactly. Let me ask them Child. if they know how that, if they know if I can get out of here or how I can get out of here. So she's like squeaking up to them, chirping, thinking that, you know, all is chill. That if she just whispers to them like, hey, no, no, don't worry. Don't freak out. I'm on your side. Just looking for directions out of here. Oh you just want to find a way out. Unfortunately, the bats do indeed freak the fuck out, right? So one of them yes. wakes, one of them hears her and wakes up, and once it like figures out, like, ah, ah, what's going on? It just sees a fucking human and is like, oh my god, it's a human! Run! And all of them wake up and just fly the fuck out. <laughs> Absolute oh, no. chaos and would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, uh, mm -hmm. reminds me of. Um, a scene in Jumanji, like the old, the classic the one original. from the 90s, the original with Robin Williams. I feel like there was a scene where a bunch of bats like fly out of the house. That is one of those movies. It's not a horror movie, but that's still absolutely be. terrified me as a child <laughs> because just like that scene and like a scene where monkeys are just going monkeys. crazy attacking those two, both of them 
absolutely yeah. traumatized me as a child. Yeah, yes. did not, 10, 10 out of 10, did not want to be in that situation <laughs> ever in my life. Here we are though, Debbie and Eliza are right in the middle in of it. Um, but actually very sweetly, Eliza is a good sister because as soon as these bats start flying everywhere, Debbie is freaking out. She's still already like in the feeble position, but Eliza like jumps on top of her and like Aww. covers her head. Like, it's okay, you're fine. You're going to be fine. Your hair looks fine. You look good. It's okay. <laughs> Hey, and Debbie's like crying, but Eliza's just like covering her head. Oh, also, Very adorable. Eliza, this is your fault. Yes. Yes. Protect your sister. You, you better do better. Exactly. This would not have happened, but for you. Yes. Uh, we came up. So once Eliza is sure that all of the bats are gone, she and Debbie get up and they start to make their way out of the cave because they're like, okay, they, the bats went that way. So I guess we should go that way too, which also... Why were the bats sleeping at night? They should have been out hunting. That's when they usually eat, oh, yeah. but whatever. I guess maybe it wasn't late enough. This is like, oh, yeah, this is twilight, maybe. Still. And it's like dusk. It's not quite whatever, mm. but still. And there's these Eliza were the bats was that doing were them a favor. In. Yeah, they're sleeping in a little bit. But uh-huh. Eliza was doing them a favor. Like, come on. Get get to hunting. Get, get to get to blood sucking. Go, go find those. Go on, guys. Cows. Get to hunting and blood sucking. Yeah, I'm a mammal. <laughs> Why'd you ask? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they call me Grubhub. What's up? I'm pumping yeah. with it. Why? Yeah, we deliver. We're, we're caterers, actually. We're gonna prepare <laughs> the meal at your home. So. <laughs> Why do you ask? <laughs> so, anyway, they get up. They start to make their way out of the cave. But before they get far, they again hear that same moaning that they heard before they fell down this trap door. And they start to see a shadowy figure approaching them from the cave's depths. And the moaning is getting louder and louder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me personally, I'm like, all right, really time to GTFO. Run as fast as you can. Oh, you've seen the descent. So you yes. are, you've been out of this cave for hours at this Forever. point, right? I was never in the cave <laughs> to begin with. A trap door? No, I would be like holding on for dear life to like the, the edges of the opening. Like, oh my god, no, there's no way I'm going deeper into anything here. No. <laughs> Debbie is on my page. Like, okay, that looks like a vampire. We're getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. But Eliza is like, no, vampires don't exist. Mutated cave schmeagles do though. <laughs> okay. Eliza. Murderers do, Eliza. So, but no, no, no. She's like, vampires don't exist. We need to go see what this man wants. He clearly needs our help. So she makes her way to the shadowy figure. Debbie is like, be my guest. Like, have at it. I'm not going to stop you, even though you just saved me. Although it was your fault that I needed the saving anyway, whatever. In the first place. And so as Eliza makes her way closer to this figure, she actually lets out a very like loud gasp and calls for Debbie to come quickly. And at this point, Debbie springs into protective sister mode and Mm. she's like, oh, no, 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 don't you dare hurt my sister. And she's ready to attack the man. But Eliza stops her and says, hold on, no, Debbie, wait, before we can actually see who the shadowy figure is. Okay. And so put a pin in that because we now see this- do that i'm making you okay (laughs) we now see this plume of bats that eliza has just awoken whatever flying out of the cave 
but perfectly as Nigel stands at the entrance and begins filming his segment on bats. So Marianne is actually able to get this for, in their terms, for me, it'd be terrifying, but for them, it's actually a fantastic shot of these vampire bats just like flying out of this cave as Nigel is standing there talking about how beautiful they are, you know, how they're getting ready to start their hunt, whatever, doing his amazing narration job. Uh But hilariously, you've got Spinoza. That's where he was. Also like... He's running around playing with them like, yes, be free, my children, (laughs) running around like playing with his cape and like flailing his cape around, getting all up in this shot and eventually like knocking Nigel over (laughs) mid-sentence, like as he's trying to narrate this segment. And Marianne yells at him like, oh man, you've ruined my shot. Like, can you please just stand to the side and she turns around to like readjust her camera and the lighting and everything and as she's not looking this dude literally like tries to run up on her and bite her neck (laughs) like but right as he grabs for her we hear eliza inside of the cave like saying mom watch out and marianne goes full fucking cobra kai turns around like (laughs) grabs him and like throws him over her like marianne Marianne." she uh dropped out of his biology class so that she could actually learn krav maga it turns (laughs) out (laughs) <laughs> and like how to use a camera i guess yeah so film school karate yeah, school same thing same thing so eliza and debbie they like walk out of the cave and marianne and nigel are like what are you guys doing here the by the way also all those batches flew out like are you okay yes <laughs> what's going on and eliza like runs right up to dr spinoza and points at him like mary or like mom that's not Dr. Spinoza, that yeah. man who you just yeeted across this freaking camera shot. That's not the real Dr. Spinoza. And Debbie's like, yeah, this is. And out behind her, we see this tall, dashing, very <laughs> handsome gentleman. Yes. <laughs> Much more beautiful than the man who I described earlier as being Dr. Spinoza. We see him walking out of the cave behind them. And he's like pulling ropes off of him, mind you. Like he was roped up, tied up in this cave. And this man, the real Dr. Spinoza, hilariously like somewhat does resemble Nigel. (laughs) Like he's got a big nose, but like the Nigel kind of big, not the long pointy nose Uh that this other guy I mentioned has, but you know, big, thick, long nose. He's got, you know, kind of a pointed chin. He's got a thick mustache, although (laughs) he's got dark hair and it's curled up at the ends. And uh, yes, like a pointed chin with a beard. He's mostly bald, which isn't like Nigel, but he is also in like the typical kind of Indiana Jones type of adventurous professors type of suit, like a tan suit with a darker smoker's jacket over top of it. Yeah. And Nigel, after he sees him, he whispers to Marianne, like, no, Marianne, you were right about the real Dr. Spinoza. He is handsome indeed. (laughs) He's like, this guy? This guy, oh my. (laughs) And Dr. Spinoza immediately, funny, hilarious, coming from your episode last week, Dr. Spinoza does actually recognize Nigel Thornberry. He walks in like, Nigel Thornberry, an honor to meet you, and like shakes his hand. Yeah, before Nigel can even introduce himself. And then he looks over, Dr. Spinoza looks at Marianne saying, and Marianne Hunter, second seat, 
third row, zoology 101. Aww. And Marianne's like swooning, like, ah, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's it's me. Oh man. They're both swooning They're as both like swooning. a man is unconscious next to them at Marianne's yeah. feet. They're like, oh, it's getting hot in here. Oh, it is. That was just Marianne getting warmed up. So then we go back into Dr. Spinoza's castle. They're back in the dining hall, like sitting in front of the fireplace. Happening to the body and, of this other man. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of get to it in a second. Kind okay, of. Kind so of. Dr. Spinoza real, reveals that the man who is impersonating him, he literally calls him the hunchback. <laughs> He's the hunchback. His real name is Carlos Bayales or something along those lines. Also known, and this is hilarious, as El Gordito. Now, <laughs> Grace. With your knowledge of the Spanish language, I it's must ask El- if you know the what fatty. El Gordito is. They're just rude as hell. Or little fat kid, or perhaps dumpling, depending <laughs> on which. Okay, I will say, from my research, I did look this term up, and I was like, okay, is this a term of endearment? I cannot tell. It may be, depending Probably situational. on... Yes, exactly. So if you're Hispanic and listening or, you know, in any way related to the Hispanic culture, drop it in the comments. Like, is El Gordito <laughs> calling someone chubby or like the little fat kid? Is that a term of endearment or is it just straight up an insult? I think and, it's like, like you said, if it's, it's a situational. Parent, yeah, I think it's like a parent to a kid or like family to a kid. It's endearing. But like, I feel like if Saying you just say... Who, a stranger yeah yeah after you just called him a hunchback i'm feeling it's not an endearing situation yeah right i don't think so not in this case not calling a full-grown adult that i don't yeah. think so yeah and you're probably even more so correct because what spinoza says next is that uh el gordito is well what we would call our village idiot <laughs> oh my yeah. god but also sad and marianne is like well that's not a very nice thing to call someone. So good for you, Marianne, standing up to this man. True. But, but Spinoza's like, go ahead. Yeah. No, just keep going. I've got a lot of questions. Yeah. This is Spinoza's like, well, it's just that, you know, he recently bought a satellite dish and now he's got access to all sorts of like American horror movies and stuff. And <gasps> Nigel's like, oh, good heavens, how terrible. <laughs> Which is also hilarious because by this point, Tim Curry was a bit of an American horror icon <laughs> because of like Clue, because of it, because of. Oh my God. What, yeah. Like, yeah. And then like Rocky other Horror, things. everything. Rocky yeah. Horror He's a cult classic. Show. Exactly at this point. So the fact that Nigel is the one who's like, oh, how terrible access terrible. to American horror pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Does like the Jim Halpert look off camera. Yeah. Cash is another check. <laughs> yes. Um, but nevertheless, Spinoza is like, well, anyway, thank you, Eliza and Debbie, for finding me. I was afraid that all my moaning and groaning was just going to scare you away like it naturally should have. Should but have. they run towards the danger, as we've talked about uh, in previous weeks. And so at this point, Marianne's like, so what happened to El Gordito, though? Like, by the way, what happened to that body that I just left there? Yeah, just kicked ass ass. And honestly, the dude, he gets off easy. Spinoza's like, well, I told him that he's been very naughty and I just sent him home. So let's hope that he learns the difference between reality and television. 
That's it. They don't call the authorities. Like the dude clearly came to his house and like attacked him. Yes. Threw, tied him up and then like threw him in a cave for left no him for time. dead. For dead, literally. If the thornberries hadn't visited, yeah. And if the daughters weren't just like nosying around and in the depths around, of a cave. Yeah. Sorry, you can probably hear like thunder outside of my window now. It's oh, starting God, to no. rain, which is perfect for this episode. <laughs> yes. But yeah, like he didn't know that the thornberries were visiting. He was surprised to see them there. He was like, oh, what brings you to my home when he first opened the door for them? So like, you're just going to let this guy go back to his home? And and that's what he does. So we just see him in the very last scene of the episode, El Gordito or Carlos, whatever. He's sitting in his little, you know, kind of decrepit little hut at the bottom of the mountain with this massive satellite dish like sticking out of the straw roof of it he's just flipping through channels trying to find something to watch and he comes across none other than an episode of the thornberry show where (laughs) nigel is like talking about zebras and the plains of the savannah and so then he starts to like imitate nigel speaking in his accent and then just like lets out his like evil laughter as the camera pans out and the episode ends that's the, the worst, end. most terrifying ending they could have ever possibly it's done. It's absolutely terrifying. It's like, this is perfect for a Halloween episode because That's... the killer is still on the loose. <laughs> yes. The killer is still on, like, how many other people in this town has he successfully murdered? Mm-hmm. He was going to murder Spinoza, clearly. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to fucking murder Nigel. Mm-hmm. Nope, yep. nope, so nope, nope. Hopefully they nope, don't ever nope. go back to Peru, except they nope. do. I feel like in like the next episode, they're still in Peru or something. They need to get the fuck out and someone needs to report this man's crimes. Please, please. Just like, like I understand like, situation, mental exactly. hospital. Yeah, like, it's like I understand being sensitive about, you know, people's states of mind and whatnot and all that. He clearly has he's unstable and definitely needs help. Yes, but at the same time, like just putting him back in his home unsupervised after he's done something very, very terrible is not not the kind of help that he needs. Exactly, because it's not help at all. So yeah, Yeah, you're actually making the situation possibly worse. Mm -hmm. Um, So this actually may be one of our, and I guess in addition to your episode last week that absolutely involves some legitimate crime, but this may be like one of the closest, like actual true crime and survival episodes that we've yeah no, that we'll cover for like the piece mm-hmm. of it or at least like the scariest criminal we may have ever covered yeah. Yeah. i would say in any of our shows because this one is straight up like this is this is a serial killer for it's sure creepy. yeah he's escalating his crimes He's gonna, <laughs> he wants to be those people. He's gonna start wearing faces as soon as he starts murdering. Oh my God. Sure. He is Leatherface. He's yeah. Charlie Ray. 100%. Um, wow. Also, thank, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just say, wow, you did such a great job. I hated this episode. <laughs> this I'm so scary. glad you said that. Thank you. And also, I'm glad you said you hated this episode because I don't know about you, but when, so when we first decided to do this show, and, you know, I'm sure we both like, run to wikipedia to just like skim through episode descriptions like which ones yeah. do we want to do have there been any that like while you're reading through them you're just like oh my god like blast from the past file from my past oh yeah, yeah i remember this episode yeah but not this, this one i will say this one for me i was like wait this sounds so familiar just this bare like two sentence bare minimum description uh-huh. of this episode that's on wikipedia and then i went to watch it and i was like 
it was like going through like a time warp. (laughs) I literally remember watching this episode when I was younger. And from the beginning, as soon as I saw the Dr. Spinoza, I was like, isn't it like not him at the end of the episode? <laughs> like the first time I when I started rewatching it, it was like, what do I what do I feel like he's actually not the real Dr. Spinoza and something happens where yeah, like, he's is, like an imposter? Like vague memory. Yeah, it's like something is churning in my in my brain here, oh my like God. a file way, way back there. So dusted yeah, off. this was definitely a memorable one for me. And probably well, uh, the fact that I remember it that much, maybe, I guess maybe it was one of my favorite episodes of the show. So the fact that you're just like, I hate this one. <laughs> well, I was going to say, this is so all happy. so on brand that like, you would remember the horror movie episode yeah. and I would black it out forever <laughs> based on the fact that you love horror movies and I refuse to watch them. Yeah. Like, it's like, how did this, how do you remember this show? What 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 do you remember from the show growing up? Oh yeah, the one that was like the absolute horror movie of an episode. <laughs> yeah, that's for me. Meanwhile, Grace is like, oh, just like the one where she talks to, you know, the like the, the, the red panda. I'm like, wow, oh, yeah, that, that did happen. You're like, yeah, yeah. The serial killer episode. <laughs> Show me the blood. <laughs> and I'm like the vampire. <laughs> well, I'm yes, really excited to watch it. it though to see if I do have any like I don't know, maybe I'll have to like watch it and then immediately have my therapy appointment of like what uncovered yeah. memories are gonna come forward from like any part of my I'm, life. I'm Will so sorry unlock, for bringing them back. <laughs> yeah, unlock a vault of repressed memories for me. Um, sorry about it. Sorry about it. Well, no, until so then, watch it. until then, when you have to unlock that vault or open that <laughs> vault, uh, who, who should they tell about uh, the podcast slash podcast? Um, I think you should tell um, someone in your life who, and I feel like we all have at least one of these people in our life mm-hmm. who, like, more than a casual love for, it, but like someone who loves vampires. Like, we all know mm. someone, whether it's like. Twilight. That's the main one. Yeah. Millennial women, we probably know multiple people who really A love lot. Twilight. Yeah. Um, or just any vampire s true blood, I don't know, Buffy, yeah. whatever Buffy. it might be. Someone who just like more than the average Joe loves vampires. Tell yeah. about this episode. This is definitely an episode for them. It's for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess also tell someone who loves werewolves and maybe the same person because apparently in the last, my last fun fact, I guess this is actually more a folklore thing because this is about like vampires, not vampire bats, but apparently they, um, they turn into bats when they are hunting you or like looking, scouting you out, but they Uh turn into werewolves or into wolves when you run away. So a lot of people actually say that zombies, oh. werewolves, and vampires are all like in the same family, wait. technically. Oh, wait, what about how zombies in there? Uh, because vampires turn you into zombies, or they can. It's oh, weird. They, I... they kind of do it all. It's weird. I They're like they either just killed you or turned you into a vampire. I didn't know a zombie yeah, was a third but like, option. They can sit, but like technically a vampire is a zombie because it's oh, yeah, undead. True. Yeah, it's it's like, it's kind of fast and the loose gray. playing of the vampire rules, the gray area yeah, of yeah. Um, the vampire code. 
But yes, so they apparently they can turn into werewolves. They technically are zombies because they're dead, but they're also undead. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're they're vampires. So it's kind of like the best of three worlds. Would you rather be hunted down by them in their bat form, vampire form, or or wolf form? Bat form. For sure. Just swat it out of the sky. <laughs> exactly. Just swat. Get a gun. Sorry, right, Peter. The size but... of my pinky finger. Yeah. I'm just smacking that shit. Not definitely not the wolf form. That's absolutely last on the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but all you gotta right. do is wait for the sun to rise and then boom. Poof. They're gone. Bam. Done. So, wow. Incredible. Thank you. Great but, job. Anyway, till next time. Yep. All right. Be safe out there, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We, we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmornMist, all the abreeds. And let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.